so yeah, the last thing was. <laughs> Cameo. And and next, our first guest. <laughs> what, do you, um, what do you have to say about that, Elvis? <laughs> political, today's political climate, what do you got to say? Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Papa Culture Podcast. Uh, my name is Anton. And I'm John. And we are two dads who talk about the things that interest us, uh, primarily TV, film, music, comic books, um, and pretty much whatever else uh, in the creative space. And we look at it through the lens of fatherhood and identify whether or not our identities as parents or as dads in particular impact Mm -hmm. how we react to the entertainment that we consume. Yeah. So real quick, I want to give a couple of updates. We are now officially in the iTunes and Google Play stores. So that is pretty cool. We've got like logos um yep there's like three episodes up it like feels super legit and it's it's pretty cool man yeah it was it's it's been a a cool learning process because just going you know basically leaning into this project that ours um on twitter the at papa culture pod has gotten some interesting some interesting engagements oh really care to share some interesting engagements yeah so one of them one of them i'll keep to ourselves because i think when when we talk about guests we'll we can talk about that but talking about vision and batman from a writer named tom king so as i've been using both my personal and then the papa culture pod to the words getting out that we're doing this um, including some talking points in the tweets. Um, Tom King, that writer, actually liked one of uh, our our tweets. Sweet. Did you yeah. tag him in the uh, in your tweet? I or... did. So that was cool. And then we actually got. I mean, it was all my personal one, but Lisa. Actually, no, we got one from another writer who I'll probably t- talk about a little bit later today. But those are some cool things that um, that are popping up with this. Um, cool little project that we're working on yeah it's it's pretty cool just kind of seeing how seeing it grow organically really just happening through our own social media accounts and and things Mm -hmm. like that and it you know what's interesting too is i think each each of my social media accounts hits a different audience you know so Mm -hmm. whenever i post on facebook uh i feel like those are even though um, not to humble brag, but even though that I, I happen to have quite a few on my friends list, I feel like they're closer than, than the followers that I have like on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? So it's, it's interesting seeing the engagement and the response 
um, from each of those and just kind of seeing who's who it resonates with and you know what I mean mm-hmm. yeah right. it's been interesting too um, just the, just to wrap up my kind of thoughts on is um, two things is our friends are actually listening to it which is kind of cool I mean our friends don't have to listen to us talk about anything we talk about we probably talk about it yeah, with I them know. anyway but it's kind That's of true. cool to get the feedback that they're, they're giving and kind of the, the fun that they're having with it too and you know some of them actually asking oh when 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 can you talk about this and when can i talk about this which is kind of um, fun and the other thing is um that's been really nice is Hung is also sharing it a lot so she's excited about it too so that's that's it's a cool um feeling to have at home to have um Hung back up our little project yeah i don't know if tess has listened to any any pods yet but it is it's okay <laughs> she's busy she's you know She's saving the world working on cancer stuff, so she can do that. That's that's all good. Yes. Uh, yeah, she has an excuse. And shout out to her for uh, allowing me to um, kind of have fun with, with, with this project. So shouts to her. Shouts to her. Okay, so that kind of leads directly into the next topic, which is kind of the future of the pod, and particularly with the structure. You know, mm-hmm. it's cool that we can just talk to each other about all these different things. But in the very first episode, you had said the initial idea was that you want to have these conversations with with your friends so that you can learn more about either what they do or what they know. Uh, so mm-hmm. moving forward, we'd like to invite special guests so that we can have like a uh, a richer conversation with three of us instead of just the two. So I think over the next few weeks, we'll be reaching out to folks that we think would be a great fit for the podcast and, you know, they can join us and I think it'll be really cool. Yeah. I think it'll be really fun to do that. It's funny because uh, we see the engagement and we see the response of some folks to our pod and it, it just kind of got me excited and more motivated to be like oh yay this thing is kind of cool we should try and make it a little bit more regular and you know and really mm-hmm. see where this can go so you know we're thinking about setting up a more regular schedule uh, for releases uh, when we can record and things like that you know in the beginning it was just hey let's try this thing whenever you have time let's let's do it and then now that we've mm-hmm. got a little bit of momentum you know, it's kind of nice and it's kind of like lighting a fire under me, which is, which has been yeah. great. You know, that's kind of another thing that I wanted to talk about too, was how just kind of being involved with uh, the podcast and kind of with this process, it's kind of been as pretty inspiring for me creatively. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's been fun to just do the editing, kind of look for music, things like that. Uh, but then it's also kind of spread out to thinking about what other video projects uh, can be produced revolving around, you know, kind of what yeah. we're doing with the pod. So it's been cool. Yeah, for me, I've also been noticing that my my creativity or at least my jumping into the creative process has been sparked by this. Um, like you like editing and doing some looking for music and other things, flexing some skills I haven't used in a while. The other thing is just this motivation to actually indulge in things that I've been wanting to catch up on or do. Yeah. Like reading and watching 
movies and TV or whatever. And for sure, for um, sure, man. as we're preparing for this episode, I actually just flipped to my the archive of my old, 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 old blogs. Oh man, from way back when, when I was blogging regularly about a lot of different things, but a lot of it was also about TV and movies and Netflix DVDs that were coming in the mail. Right, right. Um, one thing is, I was much better writer back then because I actually wrote every day. <laughs> But it it kind of brought me back to that time, and we used to we were talking, we did a lot of talking about pop culture back then. You know, it's funny that you mention kind of looking back at stuff that you had written before, particularly about what you've been watching at that particular time. Because the other week, I actually rewatched uh, Into the Wild. Um, that film by uh, mm-hmm. directed by Sean Penn with Emil Hirsch about the this guy, I think it's Christopher McCandless or something, who uh, after college basically gives up his life savings to mm-hmm. just hike all over the Jump. country and yeah. do this pilgrimage to Alaska. And uh, I remember hmm. watching it... Uh, I think it, was, it came out in 2007 so, and it got nominated for a bunch of Oscars. So I was really curious about it. So I watched it and I remember having, I remember enjoying it, um, but I rewatched it the other day and I feel like my response to it now, 10 years later, is very different to my response to it in 2007 or 2008 or whenever it was that I saw it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the big takeaway for me back then was about like, okay, it's this guy, he's this free spirit, doesn't really care about the structure of society, economy, all that stuff. And it's, You know, there's a there's a part of that that's really romantic and uh, and yeah. inspiring. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I can, and then you were what twenty twenty eight at the time. Yeah, like, twenty eight, you know? twenty nine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I could I could see myself. You know, I, I watched that movie and I'm thinking, there's no way that I could have done that, but man, that sounds like it would be really cool to just backpack and hitchhike across and just kind of go wherever the wind takes you. You know what I mean? There's there's something romantic about that. And it's funny because I do end up watching either documentaries or films like more recently, the Reese Witherspoon film Wild uh, was, was something similar too. And, you know, I watched that and you know, I still see that that romanticism and that type of lifestyle of just being by yourself and being off the grid, living off the land, and just you know seeing how much character that builds. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Um, Is there a but? Yes. So that was back then. Yeah. <laughs> and then I watched it again, and then. I sympathized a lot more with the parents 
you know, because they, the, these are his parents worked mm-hmm. really hard, are, are successful. They worked really hard to get where they're at to make sure that they can give their kids like a good life. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And then all yeah. all they want is, yeah, they were frustrated with this this kid's idealism. And like, dude, you don't know what the real world's like, dude. Just, you know, yeah, you don't know what the real world's like. Just get a job, get a good job. You got a good, you know, <laughs> you got a great degree, whatever. Go join the workforce yeah. and be a valued member of society. Instead, he goes away and he doesn't tell his parents at all. And so... I, I identified a lot more with the parents, this, this viewing. Really? Yeah. It was really weird. Yeah. And then, you know, I'm sitting there and this guy, you know, the, the main character is like well read. So he's quoting all of these, you know, authors and well-known, well-known writers. And I'm like, get over yourself, man. Like, just get a job. Just get a job, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. I know that I did. So if Ginny were 22 years old. <laughs> Dude. And told you. This fool had like, <laughs> I don't know how much savings he had, but he basically on his graduation day just gave it all to charity. It was supposed to be savings for like okay. medical school or whatever. Gives it all to charity. Yeah. And then you know, burns his money, you know, right before his, he drives out into the desert. Yeah. And then the very next day when he goes on his little, uh, walkabout or whatever, he burns his money. There's like a hundred bucks in there, you know? And it's, it's interesting because, you know, in the film, he, he runs into older, you know, older hitchhikers and older people that are kind of a part of that are all about that life that he wants. And you can tell that they're way more wise. They've got perspective, mm-hmm. way more perspective than him. Um, and, you know, it's funny because at the very end, he realizes like, you know, happiness isn't really anything unless it's shared with someone and he was like by himself when he died yeah so you know it's weird because i think in 2007 when i watched it it was like oh man that's cool he died he lived he lived a good life like this is what he wanted to do and then the second time that i watched it now 10 years later i'm kind of thinking like man he just kind of wasted it yeah and i'm not sure if i would have I don't know. It's, it's it's just a weird, weird it's reaction. Big... And I know it's directly because of the fact that I've got a kid and, you know, I'm going to be the one that's going to have yeah. to support my kids growing up, their education and kind of help them steer them on the right path. You know what I'm saying? Or a path. Yeah. Hopefully it's the right one. Yeah. Right. So what would happen if Jenny was that same situation 22 doesn't disappear but tells you you know what i'm gonna go take a gap year I, i'm I'm pretty you know, sure i'd be concerned since... but i mean I, I i know that i took a gap year or i'm i'd been 
kind of aimless. I mean, you could even argue that even right now I'm still a little yeah. aimless, but you know, it's harder to admit that you're aimless when you, you got a kid. And at least mm. you can say like, I'm aimless, but I know what my responsibility is to take care of the kid. So that always well, you're still, keeps you're you doing like the grounded. Casey yeah, you're doing the Casey Kasem. You're 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 reaching for the stars, but your feet are still on the ground. So, yeah, well, maybe. <laughs> I mean, well, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I would hope. I would hope that I would be open to whatever it is that she wants to do. What about you? Do you have any? Do you have any thoughts about that? I think. It's hard, it's harder to internalize that as you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about it with Malcolm. He's only nine months right now. Everything is very immediate. Like this week he learned the whole um, trick of standing and crying his lungs out in the crib <laughs> in the middle of the night. He learned how to, stand himself up, you know, while holding on to something um, and is already climbing. And this is all happening in like five days. So all that future stuff, I mean, we, we, we talk about it and we think about it. I, I, I definitely feel fortunate that my parents were, you know, 99.9% or maybe 99.5% adamant about me being happy with what I was doing in life yeah. and they talked to me about that in high school and college you know and then stuff ha- you know like when I graduated and I don't have a job and it's this nebulous sociology degree my dad kind of freaked out oh really um, yeah. <laughs> yeah I remember him giving we were talking on the phone once I was at Davis so um, I had pretty much finished most of my classes. I think I had one left or maybe I just, I, I might've just been kicking it up there for the last quarter, but basically he's like, okay, you can't find a job. Fine. Um, here, go back and get some computer science degree or something. I'm like, one, I just graduated college and two, no, that's not what I want to do. <laughs> right. The, you know, and the, the the things that go on in my head as a 20, I think I was probably 21 or 22. Um, I say I was probably 21 still. Yeah, I remember you telling me all the time, do something you like, do something you like, do something you like. And then when I graduate with something that I feel comfortable with, which was kind of more of a ticket out, um, which ironically I end up doing anyway, a sociology related field. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I'm like, okay, well, you, was that all just a bunch of lies or a bunch of crap that you thought that I wasn't actually going to listen to? But, you know, I, I obviously know that that's not what it was. It's him thinking, oh, you know, it's been a couple months and he can't find a job. Of course, it's because it's a sociology degree, because what does he know about a sociology degree? <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's a it's a legitimate question if anyone if if any of my little cousins or any of the barrel kids grew up, um, were already growing up now and college ready and said, Oh yeah, I want to do an anthropology degree. And my, my, my gut instinct would be, Oh cool. Cause I want to be, I want to do that. 
And then my next response would be like, hmm, what are you going to do with that? <laughs> right? I mean, I think that's probably um, what I'd say if JD was like, I want to go to film school. I'd be like, mm, <laughs> how about I just teach you and you do yeah. something else? Just, I know. It's like right. STEM, 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 right. STEM, STEM, you know. But I don't know, like Tess yeah. is a scientist, yeah, but, so she, know, might, she, might be, uh, she might be pushing Ginny to do uh, a narrower path that's re- regarding science. So, Like a specific? Yeah. I feel, but you know, at the end, I think uh, what I learned with, with my parents and then, you know, just growing up in whatever I got involved with were things that obviously worked out for me because I'm, I'm working in that field. But there's there's levels of like resiliency and organization. Some of these things I had to learn after I graduated college because, you know, at 21, what, what do I know? Yeah, what do you know? Old. What do you know, dude? Right. I knew I knew a lot of things and I thought I knew a lot more than I did, which was good because it's sometimes good. It's better to assume that, you know, more and go out with with some level of swag and rather than, you know, go into things timidly and not believe in yourself. Right. But I think those maybe they're they're a little bit less tangible skills would have led me to. I wouldn't say success, but just, uh, you know, contentment and or functionality as a human, (laughs) as an adult human being, Um, as you know, a mix of obviously a mix of a great support system immediately and also with friends. You know, if I if I took a detour and ended up doing something else, I think I would have been fine because I learned some of those other skills. So like the, the, the specific the specific medium at the at that moment wasn't as important as the other things I learned. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because I I look at it too. Because you know we have a lot of friends who are in um compute the the coding world. Yeah, and they've been just as much victims of a volatile industry as I could be in a nonprofit world. That's very true. But I've only been laid off once. So, you know, again, I feel very fortunate about that, but there's no, there's no guarantee with anything, even learning more at working at a health clinic that the, the stratuses of being a doctor, <laughs> like going through that nine or 12, I don't know how many years it is to be a doctor, the amount of loans, the amount of time you have to put in, mm-hmm. it's not going to guarantee you a high paying job if, if there's other things you want to do with that medical degree. So it's a little bit of a tangent on, 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 on the work life, but I, I, that's kind of how I would um, hope to talk to Malcolm as he's growing up making decisions about these kind of things. Yeah. Well, thankfully there's um, still plenty that, of time before that. Conversation wait, 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 happens, wait, right? wait, lots of time. No. <laughs> <laughs> Even though you did empathize more with the parents, did you still have any kind of, um, emotional connection to the main character that character yes i did um and, I, and again i always do with with movies like this like films about uh, self-discovery coming of age stories stuff like that 
I tend mm-hmm. to really like. Uh, it just felt like with this film or this viewing of this film 10 years later was a little bit more enriching because I was able to kind of see the other points of view a little bit more, particularly from the parents. And, you know, Mm -hmm. I I was thinking about it because it's written, there is voiceover from the sister and also the main character. So, you know, I guess from a narrative standpoint, it's, it's a little weird. And I kind of mm. noticed that a little bit more than the first time. But um, What is it about the sister? You're, the, the sister is giving a voiceover uh, kind of to try and advance the plot, explaining what, these, like, what he's doing. And it's basically through her point of view and through her voice. Uh, okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I could still identify with the character. There was definitely something admirable about his dedication and his drive to really discover himself through his through this adventure of going to Alaska. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, and as things started to kind of turn sour um, when he was no longer able to find food and it starts this slow decline into ultimately his death. You know, you start to think about things and, you know, uh, perspective suddenly appears when you're starving and you're about to die. And uh, it seemed like the, his final thought was, that though he was happy living this life, happiness doesn't mean much if you're alone. Like you want to share your happiness. Right, right. And he did, you know, during his travels, thinking back on on that film right now, there was, there seemed to be pure joy when he was with these certain people you know, that he had kind of come across and mm-hmm. befriended, you know? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's interesting, these, these self-discovery and coming-of-age movies, especially when you're out kind of doing it by yourself. Like, for example, that, uh, that Reese Witherspoon film, Wild. All I kept thinking about is, man, I mean, I enjoy hiking, and I think I could hang, yeah. but I probably can't, man. Let's Let's be real. I don't think I can. Yeah. yeah. Like you're hiking from. Like, There's a, that's a. That's the Pacific Crest Trail, dude. You're hiking from. Right. You know, the Mexican border or whatever, all the way to Washington. That's crazy. Canada. Oh, yeah. Canada. That's crazy. Right. No, but, be, but being out there, like what they're doing, like the straight up hiking and um, into the wilderness. You're either fighting yourself or you really feel comfortable by yourself. Yeah, and you'll probably learn right away what what kind of person you are. Mm-hmm. You know, it uh, just kind of circling back to kind of the movie thing for a second. Are there any movies that you loved when you were a little bit younger that you kind of have new a new perspective on now that you're a dad? 
whether it's you know positive or negative right. uh so i was looking at, it's an interesting question because i was looking at the movies in 2007 2006 2008 and i don't know if there's anything in that era that i really really liked as movies that I would watch now and have a different perspective on. Um, I mean, I, looking at the list, actually, one of my favorite movies from that time was Juno. Yeah, like the, I, I, I watched it a, a couple months ago, and they, they, it's not a new perspective, but it just kind of cements it. I, I like uh, J.K. Simmons. Oh, dude! Yeah, all he's his great. little side. You know, all his little side characters like that. Yeah. Um, and dad and actually Allison um, Janney. She's really right? good too. Um, as a mom and, um, and their parenting style, obviously it's a movie, but their parenting style in, in that film way back when. And I, I was even more kind of connected to it. Um, now when I watched it a couple months ago with Malcolm, Huh. Because I dig the, you know, what I liked about parent characters, knowing that it's it's a comedy, it's um, about a very serious issue, <laughs> but not done in a. Yeah, it's. But the way they handle the subject matter is, right. you know. And then, um, but then how Juno's dad and Juno's stepmom, I felt they were like really, they, they were real parents. Uh, they were written as real parents, even though their, their, their scenes were pretty short where they had, um, with each other, but it wasn't this over dramatic thing. There was clear boundaries but also cultural acceptance that okay this kid is a teenager and she happens to have gotten pregnant what are we going to do kind of thing um there's like a pragmatism that... uh, yeah i appreciate like the support that they had but also you know the real the realistic emotions that they had and you know obviously having two really good actors can do that because they could do they could do the balance of emotions without having to make it so obvious. Um, but yeah, it, it hasn't changed anything. It just maybe it resonated more now being a parent, um, knowing, for, I mean, fortunately it's, it's a lot of years away, but knowing that when we have to approach that world where they're, you know, teenagers, Do you think that the you know Diablo Cody that writing style you know left a left a mark on the current crop of like teen shows? The reason I ask is because you know per your Riverdale shout out in episode one, I happened to catch the pilot just because I was curious. Um, Twin Peaks came out, then the return. Uh, was released, mm-hmm. uh, came out like last week or a couple weeks ago and I had read somewhere yeah. 
that uh you know how influential twin peaks was and that it seeped its way yeah. into uh riverdale the archie comic adaptation or whatever I don't know what you want to call that. Re- a reimagination. TV of the, rendition, modern, yeah, reimagination. Yeah, a modern reimagination of uh, the Archie characters. Uh, side which, note, which I didn't realize that Josie and the Pussycats was um, part of the Archie world. An Archie world, yeah. yeah. I didn't really know that either. The, 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 the TV show reimagination is kind of in line with the comic book reboots, although Jughead is still traditional oh, Jughead in the comics. Interesting. And Archie aesthetically obviously looks more modern and still quote quote unquote hot Archie, but he isn't as slick as he is. But I, I've only read I only read the first arc of the um, the Archie reboot. But anyway, that's a little side tangent, but. Yeah, so you watched it. You were talking about Twin Creek, uh, Twin Creeks, uh, yeah. Twin Peaks, and um, I miss well, softball, by the way. But yeah, for sure. Uh, well, Twin Peaks and Riverdale. Well, that, that's what actually got me interested in, in watching or trying trying the pilot out is because they were saying that somehow the influence of Twin Peaks seeped all the way over into the CW show, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, so I watched it, but you know, go, going back to the original point about Juno and mm-hmm. how the characters talked using they, they talked in such a way it was kind of meta. Well, I'm not sure. No, let me let me take it back because I don't think that's a, pr- a proper use of that term. But in Juno, the characters were really self-aware of their of of, the, of pop culture that's going on around them mm-hmm. and then i felt like when i watch this riverdale pilot the characters some of them are are talking in a similar fashion like they'll describe a scene as if it mm-hmm. was some internet meme or you know what i mean Right. I remember. Oh, right. The, it's it, it's really. Uh, no, go, go ahead. Before I try to. I, I, that was something that I remembered with watching Juno, was how aware these people were about kind of what was going on. Within kind of their lives, pop cult in in the in the pop culture sense. Um. And then seeing kind of that reflected with the characters on uh, on this Riverdale. I'm I'm sure it's not just Riverdale that does that. Uh, yeah. I think that. Yeah. I think I I, I feel like uh, let me, let me take this back. It's not just Riverdale that does it. I'm sure. Uh, there was a show younger on TV Land. Uh that seemed to have the same type of dialogue, snappy, um, self-aware, yes. self-aware characters, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, 
I what I liked a lot about the pilot for Riverdale and the first few episodes was um, they didn't write the characters to naturally just snipe at each other. And at least throughout the first few episodes, actually halfway through um, and draw of the show, the, the mystery and some other things are more of the main draw. Obviously, people will have disagreements with each other, but um, there isn't this nastiness between the characters, which is usually typical of teen shows mm-hmm. or any kind of soap opera type show. But with the the self aware piece, and I think maybe that's part of the self aware piece is that maybe they don't they didn't want to um, they didn't want to write characters that were necessarily flat in in that sense where they're just traditional archetypes of teen shows. I see. But yeah, I don't. I, I'm not sure about the the, the self aware piece. I, I I could see some of the writing that they have being more influenced by the OC. Oh, okay. Because, I mean, the OC was obviously off the hook, right? They had <laughs> that a whole ton of crazy things that happened in the first year and a half of, or season and a half of that show. He had a really strong sense of, um, of humor. The whole thing with the OC was also a little bit of a satire because every show there was a big party right <laughs> it was a big extravagant party right so that it was it was written with some level of tongue in cheek but i you know i think the the i don't remember when the, when gilmore girls came out i know it's not a teen show but there obviously was a teenager in there um yes a little bit more yes in, in, you know in tune with juno yeah you know I've what? Only yeah, yeah. Of Gilmore Girls, but I know what Gilmore Girls is. Yeah, same, same. I remember um, being, yeah. I remember when Gilmore Girls was first on, and I was watching a scene, and I was like, "Who the hell talks like this? So annoying! Mm-hmm. Everyone's just like, yap 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 yap." Uh huh. Yeah. Uh. But. Well, that's the thing with like Dawson's Creek. And if we're going to take it back, you remember like the big thing about Dawson's Creek was like teenagers don't talk like this because they were, you know, it was they were throwing in lots of like words and different ways to express things um, that was a lot more complicated and right. um, convoluted. Yeah. Um, but that was part of their style. That was part of their job where it's like, yeah, we know probably don't talk talk like this but we want to write them like this right right um so yeah i probably don't even know enough about teen shows to uh to weigh in but i've definitely seen a fair share of dawson's creek Mm. not the whole thing i've seen a fair share of gilmore girls but that's only after it showed up on netflix and Tess would just like leave yeah. it on and through reruns or whatever. Um, Quote unquote, Tess would leave it on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was, on, it was just on. It was like when me, I, when that one time I was at home with a nanny for the first time and I just happened to put Gilmore Girls on in the background. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
uh, I, I guess it's part of that banter, that banter, um, top, that style of writing, which is the banter style. Yeah. Um, which Juno was heavy, not heavy, but that's kind of the style that they had. Yeah. And, and Kevin Smith too. That's, like, mm-hmm. yeah. So why don't you talk about Kevin Smith? Cause we, 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 you brought it up a few times, not, on the pod, obviously, but off-site or offline. So, tell me more about that. Kevin's when I okay, let's, how do I say this? When I first got interested in filmmaking, Kevin Smith was like one of the auteurs that were that I really liked. It's weird saying that Kevin Smith is an auteur, right? But he's just like a comic book mm-hmm. fan who just wanted to write and direct movies. And he did. And he, yeah. you know, was part of that mid nineties indie, indie film mm-hmm. boom. And, and I remember really loving his work. There was something mm-hmm. about all the star Wars talk. Um, just two people just talking about random stuff and they talked about star Wars and pop culture and it was really crude. And I remember loving those films. Uh, chasing Amy was like my favorite film for a long time. But I don't know if I can really watch those movies anymore. Like Kevin Smith, was around was big when I was definitely less mature you know dick (laughs) fart jokes sex jokes whatever you know it's really crude um and I don't know I don't I don't think that his his work his early work ages all that well oh to be honest I haven't seen any of his recent work either yeah. But yeah, I mean, going back to Into the Wild and how that resonated back in 2007 when I first saw it. And now, you know, I'm pretty sure that if I tried to watch Clerks or Mallrats now, it, it, it definitely wouldn't resonate. You know, it, it, would, it would probably... I mean, there will certainly be some nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Well, nostalgia somehow means that you look upon it reverently or whatever, but um, or that you look upon it with reverence. But I don't know. It just takes me to a time when you were younger and less mature, and that doesn't always feel nice when you go back to thinking about that that time. Good times, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, and then, but Chasing Amy, I remember, I used to really love, and it was one of those, is one of the first kind of romance movies where the guy messes up twice and doesn't get the girl. <laughs> you know, you like, there's, you know, there's, I'm, I'm all about like the, 
you know, I think deep down I'm all about kind of the romance romance movies. Not so much rom- rom-coms or anything like that, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm a sucker for a pretty well-told love story. Um, mm-hmm. And then Chasing Amy, I don't know if you would, I don't know if people would classify that as a well-told love story, but there was something about that film that really resonated because he messes up, then he tries to redeem mm-hmm. himself, then he messed up again. Yep. You know what I mean? And sometimes... Yeah. These uh, protagonists, they just mess up once, they learn their thing, and then they get the girl in the end. But he doesn't get Wait. the girl in the end. Um, he but he gets, something that's alert, <laughs> he gets something that's way more valuable. He gets something that's way more valuable. Wisdom. Yeah. No, I, I that's uh, that's probably one of the reasons why I also liked it a lot, too, was um, it was a love story, and, you know, it, but it didn't, it didn't pay off the way that you would expect uh, a, a romantic comedy essentially would be. It had the typical stuff that Kevin's early Kevin Smith fan, early work of Kevin Smith would you'd expect was with the banter, with the all the levels of geek, geek amateur references. jokes, yeah, or, like geek references, you know, geek references, and, yeah. But yeah, the as as he leads. I mean, there's two leads, and then Banky. Right. Banky. <laughs> um, obviously, I haven't watched it in a while. Um, but you know, the the best friends, and then the the couple. I mean, everything got blown up, and then there wasn't really. A clean resolution for their relationships although you saw an inkling of healing at the end um which isn't what you know would normally see in a typical comedy about uh that revolves around the love story but you know for the other part you're talking about not necessarily resonating with the early Kevin Smith work. I still like it a lot. And I think it's exactly for what you said. It's the nostalgia piece. And I don't think it has anything to do. I don't, I don't, it doesn't flip back to anything like in terms of me or who I was at the time when I was watching. I mean, although, you know, I I remember the, the first time I watched chasing Amy um, with my friends at Davis at a certain apartment. Um, I used to watch Small Rats pretty much. You know, at Davis, we have cable, right? But then we'd have cable that ran through mid-August, and we're not going to renew it because we were going to move. So two, three years in a row, we pretty much didn't have cable or TV because we didn't have antennas um, for like at least a week and a half to two and a half weeks. So back then we just pretty much just put in rotation the three or four VHS tapes that we had chasing Amy was one of them. What were the other? And do you know, Oh, mall rats, mall rats. Oh, was I'm one sorry. Of them. Mall rats. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I, I think if they were released as they were now, obviously with better visuals, um, 
I don't know if I'd actually go watch the movie. Like if, if it was a clean slate and I didn't um, have any introduction to Kevin Smith in the past and he just uh, we reset the time to not 1996 but to 2017. Yeah. And then you'd see commercials or whatever or maybe pop it up on Netflix. I'm not sure. I would. I, I, I agree with you. That might not necessarily resonate with it anymore. But it's more like kind of like an old friend. Yeah, I get kind I of thing. See that. Um, yeah, I mean, but I, I, I've, I've, I have watched some of his recent movies, and they're not necessarily anything I would ever watch again. Yeah. What kind of stuff are you into right now? I've been spending the last couple of weeks. Finishing up some relatively recent comic book series from uh, Marvel. It's the Spider-Woman and Black Widow. And I also finished up that Seconds book that I talked about last time. Oh, yeah. yeah from yeah. Brian Lee O'Malley. I mean, we could talk about that some other time. But that, that, had, that kind of relates back to that whole late 20s, early 30s kind of angst of... Um, still trying to live out the dream but realizing that there's anchors we have to put down as we're transitioning from being essentially young kids to adults adulthood right but the the cool thing about that book is that it started out as a you know a very comic or humor humorous angsty book kind of ended up turning into a little bit of a horror movie uh, or a horror book um, a horror book while still yeah it the you know, there's that kind of a fantasy level of you chasing your dreams and um, all the ramifications that lead to that if you keep on digging into trying to chase that dream. But yeah, his 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 storytelling through the different panels and different make decisions on what to put in a panel or what not to put or how to use a page um, just really really magnificent. Um, I'll let you borrow it if you want to read that. I kind of do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'll, I'm going to get back to the Spider-Woman and Black Widow, but Spider-Woman in particular. But the other thing I've been doing is reading this book called Ex Machina. It um, is, is written by Brian K. Vaughn, and it was a mid-2000s to early 2010s book and it essentially was about what would happen if a superhero became a politician interesting so the superhero yeah, this random dude happened to get superpowers from some alien thing and then he ended up becoming the mayor of new york city because it's not a spoiler um he pretty much helped stop part of the 9-11 attacks huh so it's a it's superhero book it's more of a, a political book and i know it hasn't wasn't too long ago but it's really real the, the thing that is being discussed in there because there's a terrorism act and some other things and just it's super relevant to what we're experiencing now um that's been a, to kind of flip back because i had read two of the collections but i had forgotten all of it so i just decided to read it from the start so I'm midway through it, but I took a little break to do some other kind of reading. The other book that I mentioned earlier, it's Spider-Woman, um, that just ended. I kind of got into it more towards like the 
issue number five of this current run because the story was that she basically got pregnant. Oh. And yeah, that that, that in, in particular, that's the main reason why I picked it up. And who actually heard about it too because the writer was on a different podcast that is a parenting podcast, I think. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it, I think it's a parenting podcast. And so she was, she heard about it and I was like, oh, I started reading it and it, I thought it was interesting. And in the little baby moments, there's obviously a lot of new parents can relate to it, but me being a new parent, it was fun to be able to relate to some of those things, like decisions about going out or childcare. And then this last issue, there was a scene where they something happened with a baby and they're like, oh, it's kind of scary, but it's kind of cool because it's like finding out your kid is left left is left-handed and imagining them being a baseball player <laughs> <laughs> or a pitcher, right? And I, and I tweeted it my appreciation of the whole of the whole team and completing the story i'm like oh i mean i joke about that all the time that us being nonprofit um professionals are well, opportunity to have a retirement fund is if malcolm is left-handed and it becomes a left-handed reliever that's right he'll, he'll always have a job right <laughs> and it doesn't matter how how tall or whatever his body size is yeah that was a fun ride through that book because then it was obviously different because you don't see superheroes being parents in that way. Yeah. And in the first issue, was, she was pregnant. So, you know, some of those things I would have no understanding of at all if Hung wasn't pregnant too. But so I was able to relate to at least some of the, the story in, in a way than I would from just the empathy thing. Um. Well, that's an interesting. So that was cool. That that's, was yeah. that. That's an interesting point of view that you have because you're, you know, you started reading it while Hoon was pregnant, right? Yeah. So, how would I'm I'm curious about how that book was performed or how how it was received by a reader who was completely removed from anything related to pregnancy, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. For others, I don't know. I actually, I, I've, I've shared that book with a lot of my coworkers and I'm like, Hey, I don't know if you read comics, but this is a really interesting take on a superhero comic. She's pregnant. And then this is, this issue is all about her being in the last few weeks of pregnancy and about to give birth. And so I had a lot of my coworkers actually bring it home and read it. <laughs> <laughs> well, how did and, they react? Yeah, they they thought it was interesting. One of them, he, his sister had a kid. So, you know, he's been around a pregnant woman recently. So he, he found it interesting. Um, I gave it to some other folks and they were, they, they said it was interesting too, but you know, they weren't, I don't know if they were as, enthused about it as I was but um, I mean uh, the other part isn't that just because she's pregnant but she I just like the the tone of the book it's um, a lot more quippy it is a little bit more bantery yeah it's by this writer called Dennis Hopeless that's who Hung heard on um, that other podcast I think it's called the longest shortest time yeah that was a that was a that was a cool ride and I don't know how other people would react to it, but for me, it was definitely 
a lot more personal knowing that either Hoon was going through it or we were experiencing some of those things. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The other thing that I've been checking out recently is uh, this podcast called Alice Isn't Dead. Have you heard about that? No, I haven't. So do you know, uh, have, you, have you heard of Welcome to Night Vale? Mm-mm. Okay, so they're, they're, Welcome to Night Vale is a fictionalized, oh, sorry, a serialized fiction. Basically, it's a radio show. It's a, it's a fictional radio show. Okay. And the premise is that this town got wait, 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 overrun by on, like, zombies. So it's, like it's a fictional, like fictional radio show meaning like it's a radio show that's fiction or the yes actually it's it's all of that oh okay it's one of the the traditional old school like radio show like a flash gordon radio show or yeah yeah it's one of those that really took off so the welcome to night bell folks i think in association with the serial folks more of those those old school radio show kind of um fictional serialized fiction stories some airtime so the one of them is called Alice's Alice isn't dead and it's read by or it's voiced by Jessica Nicole who was on um Fringe oh is it and basically the, uh, the story is, is her yeah, Astrid. No way, cool. And so she is a truck driver who's looking for her wife who at the beginning of the story she thinks she might be dead and she realizes she's not dead, so she's just driving all over the country trying to find her um her wife. So I'm only two episodes in, so um it's sometimes hard to pay attention, but there's a lot of different like stylistic things in it. Um, but that's something I'm kind of just jumping into. And it's actually something I'm like, Oh, maybe I should go back to some of my old short stories that might have some kind of pop to it and then try to record it like that too. Um, just as a project to have some fun with this microphone that I bought. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Hey, yeah, those let, are the let me get down on that. I bought a new microphone s- set up too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's good. I, I have those plays. Alice isn't dead. All right, cool. I'm going to, I need a new podcast too, actually. Cool. What about you? What are you, what have you been? Well, speaking of into? podcasts, I made a conscious decision uh, basically after, maybe after our last recording that I was going to cut down on my consumption of basketball podcasts. Uh-huh. I was listening to a ton of basketball podcasts uh-huh. throughout the season. Um, probably a, maybe eight hours a week, maybe. Oh, shoot. Yeah. yeah. Maybe seven, <laughs> seven, seven hours a week of um, just basketball podcasts and you know it ramped up as the end of the season was coming and through playoffs and then uh probably because of the long layoff uh between the conference finals and the finals Mm -hmm. i was like okay there's not enough topics to cover 
you know, this long stretch of days. So yeah, I decided, no. all right, I'm going to just stop listening to these hoops podcasts so then I can try and pick up another one. And um, I got around to listening to S Town um, by the This mm-hmm. American Life and Serial Folks. And uh, yeah, it's quite enjoyable. I, I liked it. Um, I've really come to appreciate the the medium uh the way that the story's told uh kind of the morsels that are dropped with each episode and uh the surprising twists and turns that can happen throughout maybe a seven hour seven to eight hour story um yeah yeah you know i i really i really enjoyed it in the beginning and in the middle and uh I think towards the end, I was satisfied, but it just definitely didn't have the, the, I wasn't as engaged as I was, mm-hmm. um, in, in the beginning. Uh, so I, so S town was one actually I mentioned in the last episode, uh, the creative screenwriting podcast with this guy, Jeff Goldsmith. I mm-hmm. kind of looked that up again and Jeff Goldsmith is doing his own thing now so he's got his own pod where mm. he does the same thing but creative screenwriting is still around so I'll probably check out mm. Jeff Goldsmith it's the, the thing about these film podcasts uh, the screenwriting ones is that I just don't watch enough of the movies that are being talked about and mm-hmm. these are like super spoiler filled so if if it's a movie that I'm interested in and I actually want to hear what the screenwriter has to say in that whole process, if I haven't seen it, then I'm just SOL. So I just got to wait. Um, and then they might spoil something else too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And so, you know, if they compare, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the TV is still the same. Um, leftovers finale is coming up this week the last two episodes have been super strong so Mm -hmm. i'm preparing myself for that final hour or so of this story and i'm gonna be sad it's gone because it's uh it's pretty damn excellent Uh, Mm -hmm. i mentioned earlier twin peaks is back and Mm -hmm. um you know, to be honest with Twin Peaks, I think I'm just interested because of kind of the hype around it. You know, I, I yeah, I didn't watch Twin Peaks when it came out. I just recently finished it maybe a couple of months ago after about three to four years of trying to, there's probably about three or four years of starting it and then stopping, and then restarting, and then stopping, and then finally, when Showtime released the the date of the return, I was like, "All right, I'm just gonna plow through." So I finished it. Mm. So I'm kind of looking at this return of Twin Peaks, not so much as a fan of the story but just kind of interested in watching it to experience the reaction to 
the episodes. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of like hate watching, but you don't really <laughs> hate it. It's just interest watching, right. I guess. I don't I don't know what, I don't know how to explain it, but yeah. You know, and David Lynch is such a well, polarizing artist too, so it's just weird. You just kind of want to yeah. sit there and and see what he does with this medium. Right. Well, and, it's also, I mean, it's part if you're going to be listening to other, I mean, I, you know, we talked about like listening to podcasts or consuming other things to back up other things that we're interested in. I am pretty sure that this show is going to be discussed in some of those other podcasts. Oh yes, more definitely. Interesting to listen definitely. to that conversation to if you're actually. Yeah. Understanding the context. Yeah, for sure. Understanding the context yeah. of, yeah. you know, of all of this. Oh, I also mentioned I watched a couple of pilots, Riverdale. Um, well, this isn't so much. Uh, this isn't necessarily me saying that I'm super into these things. These are just stuff that I consumed yep. since the last time, right? So, yeah, Riverdale. Right. Um, and I actually saw on Facebook uh, a former coworker who is also a screenwriter was enjoying 12 monkeys on sci-fi, uh, which is the mm-hmm. TV series based off of the film, which was based off of oh. the French short, short film from like a long time ago. Right. Um, apparently it's in season three now. I had no idea, but I watched the mm-hmm. pilot of that yeah. and, um, it was cool. I enjoyed 12 monkeys. I enjoy time travel stories uh but but you know like time travel stories can get super complicated and it was already fairly yeah. complicated in the pilot i'm really curious like how yeah. bananas they get with the time travel and all the yeah. alternate timelines and like paradox you know all that stuff all the all the time travel film and time right. travel story tropes and see how yeah. they handle that yeah, i usually don't like I have a adverse kind of uh, reaction to. So I actually watched the Twelve Monkeys pilot, whatever, how many years ago, and I I didn't watch it again because it was a time travel story. Because this is just gonna um, just put go into some kind of loop that I'm gonna be picking at. And yeah, that's fair. With. That that's fair, and I could see myself getting into that you know there's with time travel films and even some sci-fi films there the line for suspending your disbelief is like so defined for certain people that like if if any little thing you know crosses that line you're like completely taken out um but i i don't know it's 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 I don't know if I'm going to continue to watch these shows, but I think it's interesting to watch the pilots. I was, mm-hmm. I ended up, I know I was talking about a screenwriting podcast, but I ended up finding one where it's these two Australian dudes 
who were talking about who normally talk about film scripts but what they wanted to do for this episode was to uh, talk about theme um, for stories and what they did was they looked at TV pilots to see if the script does a good job of establishing the theme that's going to be basically the through line through the rest of the series. Right. So it was interesting because I believe they did Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, um, mm-hmm. True Detective, and there was one more. Yeah, but it was it was it was an interesting conversation because they're talking about how the pilot's so important to set the stage for the rest of the show. Yeah. And it's supposed to kind of give that overall message. Um so yeah, so that kind of got me into trying to figure out, oh, maybe I should just kind of watch some pilots and and see what's what. But I only got to those right, two. From the craft side of it. Yeah, for sure. Oh, Tess started watching uh, Master of None season two on uh-huh. Netflix. Um, that's fun. I, I, full disclosure, actually didn't finish last season. I was enjoying most of the season, and I just it just fell off the radar and never got around to it. Then season two came, Tess started watching it. So I ended up sitting in on a few episodes. I haven't finished all the episodes, but there were some funny ones. Um, I do have mixed feelings about that show though. Uh, I love, I love that it's created by minority voices and it's in the forefront of their storytelling and their their plots. I love that. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, I think there's something missing for me uh, with regard to the level of acting and writing. I don't mm-hmm. think it's that strong. And maybe it's because Aziz puts his parents in it and then, yeah, they're funny characters, but they're not actors. And right. it just seems to take me out of it when it's when it's like that. Yeah, it, everyone's kind of raw in their in their roles because you know, like, let's see. I know for the first, I think it's the first two episodes of season two, Aziz directed, right? I um, think so. Yeah, that that sounds right. He, yeah, yeah, and he's also. Um, it's a little bit autobiographical because he actually did go to Italy. Yeah. I, I, so I listened to that. Did you listen to that Bill Simmons he, pod? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, when he's watching, and obviously, like, the, the Bicycle Thieves or Thief was the heavy influence, or it's basically an homage in the first episode yeah, yeah. of season two. Yeah. Um, it For me, it's fun seeing someone creating who doesn't necessarily have roles to follow. Sure. Um, sure. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I'm enjoying I it. it. I appreciate the all of that. It's never yeah. been the strongest point for me. 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's true. It's, yeah. Have you gotten to the the Tinder episode yet? The which one? The Tinder, the dating app, the dating app episode. No, not yet. Wait. No, I haven't got it to that yet. That one is really good. We just got through two episodes. There's still, I think he just got back to New York. Oh, okay. Yeah, that one. Uh, that one's really well done. I think uh, technically, cinematically, story-wise, I think that was one of the strongest ones. Yeah. Um, yeah. Dad moments. Do you have cool. one? Maybe, maybe I'll go separate. first because mine's kind of weak. <laughs> mine's a little... It's a longer conversation, but yeah, why don't you why don't you go first? Okay, so mine isn't really a. It it wasn't an epiphany or anything. It was just a moment where I realized, shit, I'm a dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. And you know, a couple of weeks ago, they had the Maker Fair uh, here in uh, the Bay Area. And mm-hmm. it's was my first time there. It's a super duper cool event where makers, builders all come together and show off what they what they do. So I decided that I wanted to take Ginny. Uh, we thought that it was going to be too crazy to try and take Ellis. Um, so test mm-hmm. state. So we decided it was too crazy to take Ellis. So Tess stayed back with Ellis and I took Ginny. And so there's no parking on the premises. So we had to mm-hmm. take a shuttle. Uh, so we parked at the BART station and we took basically a school bus there, uh, which was which was, I guess, cool, but it was just... It took long. It took long, right? And then Jeannie decided mm-hmm. that she wanted to be brave and walk instead of uh, bring a stroller, which was actually worked oh. out great because the stroller in that place would have been kind of nuts. It was also hella hot. So anyway, we what get was there. What's that? Where was it held at? It was at the San Mateo uh, Fairground. Yeah. San Mateo yeah. Fairground, right? Yeah. Right. So anyway, we get there. It's it's all it's all good. She seems pretty excited. We get in five minutes. We're kind of walking around. We see like these cool little robots, um, and then kind of down the way, there's this like tall thing that has uh, flames coming out. And every few minutes, <laughs> like it sounds like there's an explosion. Mm-hmm. So it it exploded and some big fireball comes out of this tube that's in the air and Jeannie gets like super scared. She starts like crying. She's like, I want to go home. And we've been there for like five minutes and I'm like, um, it's okay. We'll just yeah. go away. We'll just, we'll just, you know, let's go to this tent over here. So we go to this tent and she finds <laughs> this, um, uh, 
the tent is where they go back. So this tent is for all the local schools who have really cool like STEM programs for kids and for all their students, mm. right? So we get to this yeah. one station where you can make your own uh, bubble bubble maker. So they give you mm. masking tape and straws, and Ginny loves bubbles. So for the next like 45 mm. minutes, she was just there getting soapy, soapy water on herself, <laughs> trying to blow bubbles. Right. She was having the best time. But I'm just sitting there, I'm like, man, there's way more, there's way cooler things to be looking at at this Maker Fair. Finally got her out, <laughs> met up with uh, my buddy Warren and his son, Caden, and <laughs> they go to the the other bubble maker, which is like the, the large, the huge bubbles. Um, so we were there for another 30 minutes doing that. And so we walked around a little <laughs> bit, checked out the 3D printers, and then Ginny wanted to go home. So we were probably there for like two hours, just kind of walking around, but n- didn't even see half of what was there. There were so many activities that Ginny probably could have done, but uh, she spent most of her time at the bubbles. Um, <laughs> so so anyway, uh, I was like, okay, fine, we'll go home. And then she was, t- she was tired, so I had to carry her. <laughs> and um, I go to the exit it wasn't the right one for where the shuttle needed to be. So I probably walked like at least half a mile carrying her in the heat. I almost missed a bus and I was sitting there and I'm like, Oh my God, dude. But you know what? This is (laughs) what a hashtag dead life is all about. So, so yeah, Yeah. that was, sorry, that was a really long, boring, non, (laughs) no, real moment i mean I, I haven't gotten to there yet but it's one it's like one of those things with you could they could have all these five six really interesting toys but what they really want to play with is and a yep. water bottle yep and like recently yep. malcolm's been like loving grabbing the um the remotes presses the buttons a little bit so there's light but really it's just he's just like holding them and like flicking them he's actually tapping on his his head <laughs> nice so no it's, a, it's i don't think it's boring it's, it's just the real the realness of it was definitely real it was definitely real. bubbles are bubbles man bubbles are bubbles are number one they were um pretty dope though actually um, i shot some sl- cool slow-mo slow-mo videos of that with one of my cameras. Oh, cool. Is that going to be a... <laughs> I posted uh, it. On, um... I posted it on uh, my YouTube channel, but yeah, it's really cool. It was at like 200, 250 frames per second. It was like 240 frames per second. It was really cool. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so what about you, man? Oh. What, you, what, you, what you got? Last week, I um, from work and he was with a nanny still. So I went to the bathroom and changed uh, out of my work clothes. And when I got out of the bathroom, he was sitting there. I could see him in the living room. And I'm like, hey, Malcolm. And then he raised a hand. 
and I'm like, did he just wave at me? Because he never <laughs> done me. He, he's never done that before, right? I and mean, we we always joke around that like you know he's waving or doing something. So I real quick and jump back out and like, hi Malcolm. And I was like so happy. It was just like it, it, it was like a different feeling um, that I've had because it's like oh my gosh, he's doing something consciously and and also like developmental way. Um, it was just crazy like what I was thinking in my head or feeling. And then my dad moment is that's one that's part of it. The the dad moment I was gonna bring up was I was as that happened, Hung hadn't been wasn't home yet. She was at a meeting, I think. She was at a late meeting. And I don't know I don't know if she, he's done that with her practicing or if it was the nanny was I was like, should I post this on social media and try to have him do it again? But I consciously was like, nah, I'm not going to do that because that's a that's a really big moment. At least it was for me. It's a really big moment to share with anyone else before Hungus experienced it too. Huh. Well, that's good Good for you. Yeah. So because <laughs> I don't want her seeing it on on facebook or instagram or something like that um i don't think she would have minded but yeah you want to like yeah yeah the thing is like you know because we're both pretty comfortable on social media so we share a lot of stuff about our kids and whatever but it's it's an interesting kind of uh conversation that i have with myself and in that particular situation about how much I want to share with others um, situations where I would want to share with others these things that that little guy is going through, both good and bad, that I would want us to experience at least first intimately as a family. And it's obviously something that we never had to... uh, uh, other generations of parents didn't really have to address, right? I mean, they could yeah. take pictures or write about it, but it's not going to be immediate. Right. And so it, it, it was a cool kind of experience to kind of think about that. And you know, so when Hun came home, I told her about it. And ever since we've been trying to get him to wave and he's been doing it off and on. So, um, yeah. And we haven't put it on, he hasn't, he hasn't performed on camera, so we, we couldn't share it even if we wanted to. But <laughs> they never do, man. They know. They know. They they're so good with um, shutting it off when the camera's on. But yeah, it's 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 a it's a it's a it's an aspect of life that gets even more complicated. A parent and also being a partner. You know, it's not just about me making a dad decision regarding Malcolm, but also for our family. To, to be able to experience it and or at least hear about it uh, and so we can both enjoy it ourselves before other people enjoy it right yeah which is actually what we did when she when 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 she gave birth is that she gave 30 and no one knew essentially until 10 o'clock in the morning the next day we didn't even tell our parents yet because we're like Let's just enjoy this um, 
a few hours where it's just where it's just you guys yeah 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 and it, it gave her time to rest and also kind of you know gave us time to both kind of really uh process oh my god we're parents now <laughs> yeah i'm sure what most i'm sure a lot of that time was going going through that in your head yeah yeah so that was that was that was my dad moment that i definitely want i was like reflecting on i was like oh this would be cool to, to share we're gonna wrap up now thanks again for everyone who's listening and who's been giving us feedback um Again, we're on Google Play and iTunes. Just search Papa Culture Podcast. Uh, you can subscribe. Um, you can leave reviews either in person or Facebook or Twitter, or whatever the case is. If we know you or don't know you, um, provide feedback, provide stories. We'd love to, you know, keep on having this be a organic process. Yeah, nothing really to add. Just. Uh shout out to those who've been listening and uh, providing the encouragement uh, I was pretty serious when I said that doing this has been uh, pretty inspiring uh, in other areas uh, of my creativity so I appreciate the the feedback and, and the support so uh, we'll continue to do it as long as you guys are continuing to listen Yes, we will. All right. Well, we'll catch you guys next time.